Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome to another episode of the Traveling to Image Makers podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Velasco. I'm currently in a remote part of Copper Canyon, Mexico, leading a tour and with very minimal internet access, so Ugo wasn't able to join this conversation, unfortunately. My next guest has become a very good friend of mine. His name is Patrick Monahan, and he's traveled with me as both a client and understudy, shall we say, as Patrick is going to start leading some tours for me and my company, Photo Enrichment Adventures. Patrick and I have traveled together to Iceland, Turkey, Romania, Morocco, India, Vietnam, the Baltics, Cuba three times, and many, many other international locations, and his first trip with me was to Spain back in 2013. As I mentioned, we're currently in Mexico's Copper Canyon overlooking the amazing view here from our hotel. It's just incredible, and so we thought that while we're here, we would uh, record this episode. Uh, I'm training him to lead this tour next year. This is his third time with me here, and so uh, Patrick is uh, training to be the leader of this trip next year. Uh, Patrick has also been to Cambodia with me a number of times and will be leading that trip for me next year, and so I thought I'd bring him on the show to talk to you about his experience traveling and shooting in Copper Canyon so that you, our listeners, can get some great tips about shooting in what has become one of my favorite destinations. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks for having me. Well, please tell us a little bit more about you and your photography. Sure. Um, Back in 2012, uh, I retired from a high-tech position, and I've been traveling ever since. Um, Since that time, I've uh, visited over 20 countries, all while honing my photography skills, with your help, of course. (laughs) Uh, I enjoy traveling because you are always learning and getting a new perspective and understanding the world and the people it really opens up your eyes, so I love it. Yeah, and as I mentioned, we've traveled together quite a bit, uh, you on my trips, but you also do a lot, a quite a bit of traveling your, on your own in between our trips, and you have family that lives around the world, and so you've been to some other uh, fairly remote destinations. Well, why don't you tell us uh, some of those? Sure. Um, I visited uh, Azerbaijan, which... You try to find it on the map might be challenging because it's, it's not a well-known country but my brother lived and worked there kenya rwanda um cuba morocco and israel are just a few fantastic so now that we're in copper canyon uh, uh let's talk about some what are some of the highlights of photographing in this place i mean why should people come here why do you and i love it so much well it's definitely a unique area from a uh, uh, landscape perspective and a culture. Uh, the, the Copper Canyon itself is, is huge. It's larger than Grand Canyon and deeper than the Grand Canyon. The indigenous people, Tarahumara people, while very um, shy and reticent, are, are fascinating and are very welcoming into their homes. Um, we visited several uh, homes which are uh, built into the caves. Yeah, the people actually live in caves and cliff overhangs till this day, many of them. And so on our trip, we go and, and visit these families and see how they live, uh, see how they work, which is something that I love to do with all our trips. 
Um, talk a little bit more about the, the, the people, the Tarahumara Indians, and uh, what it is like to photograph them. It, it can seem a, a little off-putting because they're shy. Um, they're not expressive. They don't really smile um, for you. And oftentimes they sort of actively look away from the camera. But a good thing to do is to engage with them. We have a local guy who can uh, speak the local language. Um, the Tarahumar have their own language. It's not necessarily Spanish. So engaging with them, talking to them, building a little rapport really helps. You can also oftentimes purchase some of their handmade crafts. I like to do that as opposed to just dishing out money. And with that, I feel comfortable taking their picture, and I think they feel comfortable that uh, they're not a, 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 a tourist spot, if you will. Um, but there's little rapport, and I think it works for both parties. Yeah, the, the people are, are very shy. They're not smiley whatsoever. I've seen very few of the Tarahumar people uh, smile, especially for a photograph. Uh, they don't mind being photographed, but they're, they're very humble and shy and may look away. And uh, they, they have a lot of very, uh, very nice crafts, handmade crafts, very inexpensive. So like you say, I'd love to just buy things from them, uh, which can be anywhere from f the equivalent of 50 cents to a dollar. And uh, number one, you're, you're purchasing from them, uh, giving them some sort of an income, uh, but also that I think breaks the ice a little bit. And uh, the, the people too, um, you know, being, being so humble, they, they welcome us into their homes, but they're, they're not real salesy people as you might find in some countries. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them selling pretty much the same products and maybe all in a row in, in one place, uh, but you don't have people trying to drag you into their stall or, hey, buy from me, buy from me. So um, it's, it's a pleasure to, to be here and, and to, to shop and to be able to contribute to their economy. Um, tell us a little bit more about your photography and uh, how, how you go about photographing these people and what other things there are to photograph in Copper Canyon. Why, why would someone want to come here? Well, besides the people, I mean, the, the, the canyon itself is really spectacular. And if you're working on your photography skills, it's kind of a unique venue because it is challenging from a light perspective. Um, we also visit uh, local churches, you know, very old churches. Um, that are you know, amazing and they're kind of unique and they don't have any chairs or pews inside and so landscape is an option um, it, it's very diverse here with um, like I said the people themselves and um, we do a lot of walking tours um, so there's an opportunity um, I think I mentioned waterfalls if you wanted to do slow shutter speed type of photography there's a little of everything yeah and the um there's a lot of variety, which I always try to incorporate into all my trips. So I always say it as travel photographers, we have to be jacks of all genres and masters of some. And here you've got everything from the Copper Canyon itself, again, bigger and deeper than the Grand Canyon, has one of the great train rides of the world right through it, El Chepe. We take it up and down the canyon from Los Mochis to Creel. Uh, we stay three nights in Creel, beautiful hotel. There's lots of activities to do around there. We go to the Cusarade Waterfalls, about 100 feet high. Beautiful. There's a wonderful walk to get there. Some great photo ops on the way. You see the Tarahumara people. 
lots of landscapes. Like you say, you could play with slow shutter speeds. Um, the the churches that you mentioned, uh, these are Jesuit churches built in the 1700s that stand till this day. And uh, the Jesuits were here for a period of time converting the people to Catholicism. And so uh, the majority of the people are Catholic. And uh, what's great is that, the, the, as you mentioned, these churches, there's, there are no pews. There's just simply a bench around either side of the church. And, uh, but the outsides are beautiful, too. Now, uh, we tend to come in August. Why do you, uh, why do you think we come in August? Why, what's the reasoning behind that? Well, you've got fantastic weather. I think that's, that's, that's a huge part of it. I know you schedule your trips to take advantage of the weather. Um, um, it's also a good time for anyone, let's say, in North America who has time off during that, that part of the year, sort of a summer break. Um, they can travel a little easier, especially if you're a teacher. Yeah, so the, uh, I always plan these trips in August because uh, of the clouds. Uh, I was first here in August back in 2011 when I was uh, on assignment to shoot the travel and f um, cultural images for a cookbook on the real regional cuisine of Mexico. And I was, um, I was uh, asked to photograph the people and the cultural aspects that would complement the food photography in this 500-page cookbook. So that's the first time I'd ever been exposed to Copper Canyon. I'd heard of it, but had no idea how spectacular it was. A quick story, there, uh, the, the tour operator, the, uh, actually the book publisher, arranged everything for us, maybe three, four days in advance. They'd give us our itinerary, uh, and they'd say, okay, in three, four days, you're going to be going, taking the train through Copper Canyon. You're going to stop in this town of Divisadero. The train stops there for 20 minutes. Uh, you're going to have to run down to the canyon rim, uh, get your shots at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which, of course, is the worst time of day, and run up back and hope that you make the train. <laughs> And, and continue on and so the publisher was really good I said that's pretty ridiculous uh, you know how could I photograph what is essentially the Grand Canyon even bigger in 20 minutes at the worst time of day so they said okay do what she feels right and so we stayed two nights and was able to get out early stay out late and get the canyon in some beautiful beautiful light but um, that was in August and the clouds were just spectacular as they are in this uh, trip which is in August as well and I tried to run the trip in October and then everything was brown and there were no clouds for a whole week and if you know me I'm all about clouds and uh, so right now the canyon is beautifully green because there's a lot of rain but it's just maybe an hour to 30 minutes a day so it's uh, fantastic for uh, you know getting getting beautiful clouds and seeing storms come through and rainbows and lightning uh, but it's just a very small part of the day it's not like it rains for three days straight or even one day straight so um, and oftentimes I'm asked uh, you know well isn't it hot and humid in Mexico at that time of year and yes it is in parts of Mexico but not this part of Mexico because we're actually at about 7,700 feet above sea level 22 2400 meters and so the weather is absolutely spring-like and ranges uh, in Fahrenheit from about 55 to 72 almost all the time. Just gorgeous. So, um, you know, how have you felt about any 
packing that you've done as far as I mean have you even worn your jacket once I don't think I have I've brought it out when it seemed a little cool but it got warm very quickly so you could easily go with a long sleeve shirt no problem and, and plus we're, we're walking we're doing some short hikes and so you start to you know build up some heat so I every time I brought my jacket with me I, I pretty much regretted having to drag it around because I never used it <laughs> Yeah, in the in the world of running, they tell you to dress for 20 degrees warmer, and maybe in this scenario, it's 10 degrees warmer because you will be walking, working up a sweat potentially. So yeah, you, you don't need a heavy coat by any means, a light jacket at most. And if you tend to be a person who is a little on the cold side, then that should be plenty. Yep. So, you know, um, we were talking about the the the, the the time, you know, the fact that for people that are in North America, there's not, uh, there's maybe one or two hour time difference. Uh, I'm I'm based in Chicago, and so fly to Mexico City. There's no time change, and then fly here to to Los Mochis to begin the trip, and it's a one hour time change, which is really nice. Talk to us about that and the length of the trip, and um, you know why why how how much time do you think people need to to do Copper Canyon properly? Um, the, the trip that we're on, you know, is about seven to nine days, and I think that's a, a really good amount of time because your trips, you've got some you know, free time as well as scheduled activities. You know, if you live in North America, it's a very accessible trip because the duration is of such that, you know, if you've got um, uh, a break during the summer, uh, you can do this trip. Uh, the length itself isn't two weeks for the trip plus all the travel time makes it really challenging for some folks to get halfway around the world. Um, the time change is nice. I don't think I've even noticed the time change. I live in California, so it's all of one hour, so I don't think I even noticed it. Um, you do have great weather this time of the year here. Um, and like I said, the, the length is, um, I think, perfect for this area. And like I said, uh, for people who don't have lots and lots of vacation, it's a great trip. What I usually try to do with our trips is schedule them so that they leave on a Saturday and end on the following Sunday. So you can have a nine, eight or nine day trip and only have to take five days off of work. So uh, for those folks that are traveling or are, that are still working, uh, that that should be fairly convenient. And even if we can uh, frame them around a holiday like the 4th of July or something, that might be one or two days even less that you need to to, to take off. Yeah, for Americans who only get two weeks, oftentimes, or none, uh, I'm sure that's very much appreciated that you take that scheduling into account. Yeah, I mean, I try to do that as much as possible. Um, so here we are, and we're, we're sitting on the canyon rim right now. It's probably about 10.30, 11 o'clock. Talk to us about the light that you're seeing right now here on the canyon. Um, right now, what I'm seeing... Uh, well, it, it varies, right? When you're looking at the canyon, there's different layers to it and levels, and you're seeing some parts of it are very green and lush. Um, it, it's, it's a little high in the sky. It's a little harsh, and so other parts of the canyon are a little sort of washed out. That's where um, a challenge comes in, and I've been utilizing the bracketing feature of my camera, taking five different exposures and you know post-processing it in the room and, and see how it comes out. And definitely that helps bring out all the different layers of the canyon, um, which is great. Yeah, because uh, yes, it 
the light gets fairly harsh fairly early, so 9, 10 o'clock. So as always, we try to be out before, uh, you know, right after sunrise and before sunset, so we still can have some good light. But uh, the clouds uh, can burn off sometimes uh, at, towards the middle of the day. But they've actually, we've actually had uh, mornings that there weren't that many clouds, and then the clouds would build up over the afternoon, and that's when you tend to get the thunder showers but almost always out in the distance. And so it's just amazing to watch these these uh, weather cells go almost right across our, our balconies because all our rooms are facing on the canyon. And so I've set up several uh, time lapses. So I just get my Gorilla Pod. I've got a little tiny ball head, uh, a, you know, the head that fits my iPhone and I just do a simple time lapse and I might do it for 10 minutes. I'll set a timer and I'll go and I'll read or do something else, work, relax, and then the timer goes off and I go out there and there's almost always a great result because these clouds, uh, it can be a little bit windy so that moves the clouds back and forth. And uh, so for those of you who aren't using your iPhone for uh, photography and video, uh, it's, I think you're missing out on a really wonderful, very accessible tool. Uh, you also do some time lapse. Talk to us about some of the time lapses that you've done here. Um, I like to have fun with time lapse, but when you're here in Copper Canyon, you know the, the big opportunity is kind of in that later afternoon, early evening. Um, if uh, the clouds are coming in or the st- you know, the rain is building up out in the distance, you will get a lot of cloud movement. I mentioned that at the beginning to to plan on doing that to have a little tripod. Um, what else did I do? Um, I like to do them um, oftentimes when we're landing the plane at airports or just it's sort of a fun thing to do um, when there's you know activity in motion you just set it up very sort of quietly and let it run and then you get a neat video at the end. Yeah and you've uh, you've done some slow motion too here in other places talk to us about that feature on the on the iPhone. Yes, the, the iPhone is great for slow motion as well. If someone is say working and wielding a hammer, um, you will get the motion, you also get the sound and the the world looks different in slow motion. So again, it's a fun thing to do and your your phones have usually a movie program built in so you can combine stills and video, create a little movie if you want. And so learning those tools and playing with them, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's, I mean, I used to have a GoPro with me almost all the time to do time lapses. And now I don't even carry it around, although I did have it uh, here for uh, some zip lining, which we'll talk about in a minute. But now that the iPhone can do time lapses, I don't see any reason to use the GoPro for that. Because I used to, uh, I mean, the GoPro would actually take like 2,000 individual pictures mm-hmm. that I had to put on my hard drive, I had to post-process them, had to you know, render them into a time-lapse movie, and uh, that was a real pain. It took up a lot of space where now I can do that all in the phone almost immediately. So it's super convenient. Uh, I don't know if you folks can hear in the distance, but there's some people uh, kind of screaming and a little <laughs> bit of a a hum. That's with excitement. It's with excitement, and that's uh, because right below us is one of the, I think, uh, line number three of seven of the Tirolesa, which is the zip line here, and that is an amazing experience to have. So that's just another thing to do. Talk to us about that. 
Well, the zip line is very exciting. Uh, it's got seven stations. It goes through or starts at the uh, top of the, uh, the park itself, traverses for seven stations. You end up at this butte. And from there, you'll take uh, the, uh, what, the cable car back up. And it's very, very exciting. We had some first timers. And, you know, honestly, I was very kind of intimidated. I've done zip lining before, but getting out above a very large drop, it's pretty exciting in a certain way. And, but the group that did it had a lot of fun. Um, they were safe. It's very modern. And they loved it. And it's very inexpensive. It costs the equivalent of $30 for seven zip lines. So there's seven stations. Starts at the canyon rim and just gradually works its way down. There's two very long hanging bridges. And uh, then, like Patrick said, you end up at this sort of butte out in the middle of the canyon and you take the cable car back up. It is absolutely thrilling. We've had people anywhere from 25 to 75 do it all shapes and sizes, male, female, and just loved it. So I know I love it, and I'm deathly afraid of heights. Uh, so I did it, I think, the day before yesterday, and uh, can't wait to come back and do it again. But it's absolutely thrilling. There's a little bit of hiking in between, um, so little kind of stairs and little rough sort of uh, pay, uh, rocky paths and things like that. So... Uh, but we give everyone all kinds of recommendations for what to wear and what to expect. But it's super, super fun. And uh, you feel very accomplished once you've done it. So, Patrick, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, any other tips, any final tips for our people for photographing here or anywhere in the world? Well, I think for, for, for general you know, photography tips, um, know your camera. If you've got a new camera, even if it's a week or two before a trip, I would say take it with you everywhere you go and just take photographs. Learn where the buttons are, learn how to make adjustments on the fly. Because travel photography, I equate it to like street photography. Um, you don't have a lot of super fast activity here, but on some trips in, like in Cuba, uh, a car goes by, you want to take that picture, you want to be ready. You know, as you say, Ralph, you know, kind of set it up to point and shoot. And then if you want to change the shutter speed, you can do that um, because you know your camera. And be aware of your foreground and background. I find that when you use the background to give context to an individual or a situation, it makes it very, very much a richer sort of photograph. And it's like if I took, I took a picture of a lady who owned a restaurant, and I could have just taken a picture of her, it would have been a great picture, but I put her off to the right, and in the background I put uh, the kitchen in the back, and there was a cook there. So it was pretty clear um, what she was doing. You couldn't necessarily tell the country, but I thought it gave a lot more depth to the, the photograph itself. Yeah, it takes a portrait, which could be you know made anywhere, and gives a sense of place. Yes, really exactly. Important. And there's no reason not to take the portrait, but also do the portrait with the, the, well, what's called an environmental portrait. Mm -hmm. So it, it shows a part of the environment, and I'm trying to force myself to do that more and more. Absolutely. And then the third one is be aware of light, you know, where it's coming from, how is it landing on the subject, and just be willing to, to reposition yourself or potentially reposition uh, the subject itself. Yeah, so the quality and direction of light, how it's uh, landing on your subject, even when you're doing video. So like you say, if you, can, if you can, if you're in a position for you to move around the subject and that's going to change the way you perceive that light, 
or if the subject's uh, able and willing, perhaps you can ask them to make a quarter turn and uh, or move them against a wall that could act as a reflector. And uh, that, that I think you're going to see your photography really go to another level uh, if you're just aware of the quality and the direction of light, how it's falling on your subject. I totally agree. Anything else in that sense? Nope, that's all I have for that. Well, what, what I could add is, uh, especially here uh, where you talked about the, the Tarahumar people living in caves and cliff overhangs till this day, you can imagine that these are very, very dark uh, places. They might have one light bulb or none at all, and it's just natural light coming in through the door, which I love the natural light. Uh, so on the trip, I, I tell people, be aware of, uh, you know, if you're walking into the, the, the person's home, and you may be blocking all the natural light that the other people are using to photograph something. So we're always aware of how our shadows fall on a subject or a reflection, something like that. So being very considerate of each other. I make that a very, uh, very a big point at the beginning of our trips is uh, we're shooting in a group. They're not very big, anywhere from 6 to 12 people. But we really have to be aware of each other. Uh, so that we're not walking into each other's shots. Uh, it's going to happen, so we don't get angry about it. We just uh, are tr try to minimize it as much as possible. And, but uh, being aware of uh, your absolutely your shutter speed, so I tend to shoot aperture priority almost all the time. I open up my aperture as wide as possible because I want the fastest shutter speed possible. Now, if that's not even fast enough, I bump up my ISO and I'm typically on auto ISO so the camera automatically does that to give me a reasonable shutter speed to handhold which I usually am doing in these situations. Alright well thank you so much for being on the show Patrick. Uh, where can people find you online? Are you active on Instagram or Facebook? Yes I am active on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Patrick Monahan on Facebook and I think uh, Patrick J. Monahan on Instagram. And we'll certainly put links to that in the show notes. Uh, for those of you who'd like to find out more about me and my trips, uh, simply go to photoenrichment.com. You can also find me at photoenrichment and at Ralph Velasco on all those social media networks. And uh, we've got some trips coming up here. Uh, Cambodia with Patrick leading that trip. has got some spaces on it. I've got some additional spaces available on my India trip, but it is closing soon. Uh, that's in November, and then I've got a Vietnam trip come December of 2018. And if you'd like to keep an eye on uh, Patrick's trip for Copper Canyon next year, uh, that will be released probably in the next month or so. Simply go to photoenrichment.com. Now let's get out and shoot. <laughs>